any of these words mean. Ask, don't learn. Don't MMO. learn what the words mean. It, it, it won't make I don't you know happy. You don't, need, what is this? you don't need to know. It's a video game. The, the, the failed cinematic universe, Dark Universe. Oh, I wish we were talking about, talking the dark about they universe. tried to cross over like the mummy and the vampire and like, the, the, all the... the dark universe had the exact same problem that uh, and forgive me, Man of Steel had where uh, they were so busy worrying about the future they forgot to make a good movie the first time. They forgot yeah. that uh, your first movie should be good, <laughs> and that it, people no, will so not caught up in like the profit potential of a cinematic universe that they forgot that in order to have a cinematic universe you have to have something to start with we did i would also venture to go so far as to say that purely based on the fact that they could look up and see marvel still racing towards the moon that they were like we gotta catch up somehow and that was literally their biggest fucking mistake everybody was trying to play catch up yeah, 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 but the pro you you can't play catch up. You have to focus on play one up. on one thing at a time. I mean, that focusing on one thing at a time is how you get the incredible success of the Mission Impossible franchise, where they put out like one movie in like 1994, and it's weird, but it's a big hit. People like it, and then. They Wait till, take, like, 97 or 8? Yeah, it's, like, 2000 is Mission Impossible 2, 2006 is Mission Impossible 3, and they don't nail it. Like, they don't really, like, start thinking about this as a franchise until 2011. They played the long game and let us like these movies first before <laughs> they before they decided yeah. they're going to, like, try and spin off Jeremy Renner. You know, they they let Wait. those movies get really fucking good first. <laughs> it was Mission Impossible a, spun off. I never that not was yet. the one that I got into. They they talked about it. Um, we're uh, gonna get a Mission Impossible spin off. They were they we were talking could. about a couple. They talked about well, okay, so Mission Impossible Four: Rogue Nation, directed by Ratatouille's Brad Bird brings in (laughs) and it's wild because rogue nation is real good (laughs) it's fucking excellent well you watch this movie and you're like oh i'm watching a fucking incredibles movie and i mean that in the best possible way where like the incredible action sequences of the incredibles forgive me for (laughs) using the same uh adjective twice dictionary just earned yeah my fucking thesaurus just like i dropped my thesaurus (laughs) in the fucking shredder uh, in the middle of my <laughs> first gin and tonic. It's incredible um, that this incredible he has incredible action scenes. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was going to control replace these words later, and I just never got around to it when I'm writing the script for this podcast. And they they so Tom Cruise comes into Mission Impossible Eleven, and my man is fifty some odd years old. You know, Tom Cruise done been around the block a few times, and so. It's 2011, The Hurt Locker came out oh. one year before, and my man was showing up in Thor that same year. Renner is hot stuff, so they bring him in with the intent that he will take over the franchise born style. But no, everyone really liked Tom Cruise and... <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise like is never going to die because he yeah, believes Tom, in the science. Tom Cruise will not die. Uh, so they were like, no, no, no. I mean, Jeremy, we'll bring you back, but like, you're not taking over the franchise, Jared. This is Tom's baby. And then Rogue Nation brings in Ilsa Faust, a dope fucking character. And she hits so hard that they talk about spinning her off. 
but just because everybody fucking loves her so much. Just because this character is, like, blowing up. Uh, and I think they've decided not to do that or haven't gotten around to it yet. I guess we'll see how the final two Mission Impossibles wrap up. But anyway, how, how many are they s- at? What'd you say? How many are they at now? They have made six. There are two more coming out. They're filming them back to back and then releasing them like 2021, 2022. That is if COVID hasn't fucked the whole thing up. But that is the idea. And by the time this is over, Tom Cruise is going to be in his 60s. So you do have to be thinking (laughs) about an exit strategy with the Mission Impossible franchise. So do Tom Cruise will probably move into the the, like directorial at Uh, that point. It would be the first time or if Tom Cruise starts showing up in other movies as the mentor or as yeah that the you can still have a you still have ethan hunt but not focusing on ethan hunt yeah and he can and tom cruise can start like flexing his other muscles now that his legs don't work good like you can have (laughs) you can have have my man show up in fucking season three of the witcher as like a bag i don't give a shit like he doesn't you know i don't care like bring in big tom and and have it. He he can do whatever he wants now. Put him in a wheelchair. He's our new Professor Xavier. Exactly. And I think you know. Got it. I've heard worse fucking ideas. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard worse fucking ideas than Tom can Cruise's I get Professor one of Xavier. Them, please. Yeah, I'm like, what's the worst Professor Xavier idea you've heard? Um, <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Big Jesse Lex Eisenberg, Luger, uh, whoever whoever played him in the '92 cartoon, where he talks like this, my mutants come to me, and I'm like, this is terrible. You should just—I know that Patrick Stewart was not as much of a thing in 1992, but you should just sound like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart not a thing in '92, homie. I'm sorry, no, he he'd been around, but. Patrick Stewart was an actor of the the British stage. He like this the is British pre, theater. This is pre <laughs> Star Trek TNG, baby. Like we have not, as a culture, glommed onto Patrick Stewart as a beloved pop cultural touchstone. Uh, he he hits late in life. Like he hit like Alan, he's like an Alan Rickman, where like Alan Rickman doesn't hit until he's like forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Or Stephen Lang, who was nobody until Avatar. That's and what now I'm does saying. kitschy horror movies. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Stephen Lang, you know, he campaigned really hard to be Cable, and I'll go ahead and say he probably should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate Brolin's Cable, but Stephen Lang just would have been the better Brolin choice. Was fine. Brolin's good. Brolin shows up to work. Brolin's you see Josh Brolin, in a, yeah, yeah. You see Josh Brolin in a movie. You see Josh Brolin in a movie. He'll take care of you. You know you're in good hands with Josh Brolin. Big meaty ham hocks. When Dead, <laughs> when Deadpool eventually becomes part of MCU, which let's face it, he's going to be the easiest one to bring into this universe. Just have something sure, sure, sure. meta, and you're golden. Um, the 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 tone is right. He he's on the same like comedic playing stage as a Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it yeah. makes sense. And you can Dude. pull him in, yeah. and you can also keep the other two movies canon while completely erasing them in a really goofy way if you wanted to. It'd be like, I, yeah. he's like, I made it to the big leagues. I'm at, in, like, self-aware he's in a movie, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, do yeah. we think they're going to keep most of the cast, like the X-Force cast with them? Like, I think Negasonic comes along. Colossus could be recast because uh, 
He's yeah, CG. You can um, you can start over. I mean that the the Deadpool Colossus is fine. He bears little to no resemblance besides physically to the comic book Colossus. I would like to see like comic book Colossus done right, just like one time. Just like, talking, just like one time. So wait, by which version of Colossus are you talking? The one that like in the comic books where he's like human, but then he can turn to. The metal yeah, bo- he, I mean that that's that's his whole his whole deal. He's a he's a he's a big Russian farm boy, but he's a soft tender painter. He loves his art. He's young. He's on the young side, um, mm-hmm. and and has that sort of spry esprit du corps. Like he, it's just it's not. It was funny what they did with him in Deadpool, but it's not the same guy. Besides that, he's all metal and stuff. There is one character who I want them to keep their casting for. Domino. And Domino, exactly. Can't, Domino. You can't, you can't recast that role. You just you can't. can't recast. It's you can't. perfect. It's so he good. She is the redemptive element of Deadpool 2. Uh, she, Zazie beats rules in everything. But, like, yes. I, it's been a long time. Obviously, she had been on Atlanta before Deadpool 2. But, like, rarely have I ever seen someone just, like, come into a movie as a relative no one and command it away from the bigger stars around her. Yeah, she she so sings good. so hard in, in I, that second so fucking I am super looking forward to, if they do keep her, and I hope they do, an X-Force fucking movie where we get X-Force. Just, like, give me Deadpool, give me Domino, maybe give me Cable, you know, like, give me... Yeah. Well, Cable absolutely has to be in it because... Because Deadpool absolutely has to point out that he sounds just like Thanos. <laughs> yeah, he has yeah, to point it out. He has exactly. to be like, D- "Weren't you purple once?" And Cable has to be like, "What?" <laughs> That's it. Like, that- also, my pitch for Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Disney's no way going to give him an R-rated movie again. Yeah, well, they might. Money on it. They might give him an R-rated movie, but. When he's working with the Avengers in like the core MCU, don't don't censor him by changing the script. Leave the script and add literal black censor bars and beeps when he swears. Hundred percent. So that he's like, style. "What the boop is happening? Why can't I boop? Yeah. What the boop? Like just fucking pissed that he Hold can't on. swear." But the black censor bars should be a Mickey Mouse emblem. The, it should be. <laughs> It should be, he's literally, like, constrained by the mouse. It, the, the Deadpool 3 movie, some rat-based villain should take, or mouse, should yank him into a different universe, and he's trapped there by the mouse, right? Like, the mouse purchased (laughs) the life rights to Deadpool and yanked him into, right? Doesn't that... It should be so self-aware, it's painful. He should just, it should be so self-aware, I can't wait. Exactly. Also, he needs to interact with Spider-Man. Because oh, Spidey yeah. and Deadpool is the shit. It's they go so back. good. They're, they're buds. Yeah, I, I like it. I dig it. This is, of course, Advanced Community Studies. Uh, a <laughs> podcast where we... Uh, it's good every single time. Uh, a podcast where we uh, watch uh, and cover uh, one or two episodes of Community at a time. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan. And it's the first season of Lost. It represents lack of payoff. Thanks, Lost. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Jace. I use they, them pronouns. And, um, you know, I just feel like a remote-controlled Christmas pterodactyl. 
that it? That's the thing? It's a remote-controlled Christmas... I want to get that right, because the absurdity is brilliant. The, a remote-controlled Christmas pterodactyl? A remote-controlled yeah. Christmas pterodactyl. <laughs> he yes. the, the button. Yes. He's, like, making this shit up. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. that's my gender of the day. Hi, hello. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Uh, well, I'm the daddy host, and the daddy host has had... Dad, dad, I almost said daddy issues, but the host has had daddy issues all night. So today I'm just fragile and tightly wound. Aww. Good thing we're talking about something as warm as Kermis. We're talking about a nice little, not at all sad and depressing little crimbo episode. Well, oh, that was the that was a my my that was a quote from the episode too, by the way. Oh That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Annie questioning why she's a ballerina, and Britta goes, Annie, it's because you're fragile and tightly wound. (laughs) It's not because I'm fat and graceful, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's literally, I'm literally not fragile and tightly wound because (laughs) because I'm fat and great. It's because I'm I'm a daddy and I have... Quick question. They explain most of like the women as to why they have been, you know, who they are. I we can uh-huh. clearly understand why Troy is a soldier with a drum that just checks out, right? Do I have That's a gun? Do you have a drum? Cool. 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 <laughs> what is the jack in the box? We can tell it's because he's a fucking joke. Um he's yeah. like a one trick joke. Sure. But why the fuck is Pierce a teddy bear? <laughs> why have I now, never this, this raises some interesting questions. Why is Pierce the teddy bear? Is it because he's tiny and needs constant attention? Or are you trying to imply that underneath all of this, he's just a softie? Like, why is he... Is it because Ahmed May... thinks the groups play thing and they just keep him around to laugh at him? <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> May I posture you a, um, a, a theory outside of canon? As to why Pierce is a teddy bear? Okay. Could we... We could... Now, obviously, he is still, like, a racist old man. But season one Pierce, we could pretty solidly say, you know, he's kind of... he He's a warm guy. He'll give you a pep talk. He obviously has his fucking horrible faults. But um, it's, it's not until we segue into season two that Pierce becomes the devil, right? Is that is that not fair? Um, this episode because it's stop motion animated would have had to be one of the first ones they wrote for this season if not the first so when Mm. this episode is conceptualized they maybe don't know where they're taking pierce on this one and so it is this retroactive idea that would have made sense if he wrote it before uh the trampoline episode but coming out after the trampoline episode it just doesn't make any sense anymore two thoughts that is my yeah if they planned it early because they needed the extra time for stop motion animation that doesn't make sense because he's got casts animated in which means they knew at least a little bit of a plot direction they knew he was going to break his legs but i don't May, I, I, my personal suspicion is that despite even like Dan Harmon and Co's uh, rabid back and forth with Chevy Chase, right. yeah. that they had not committed to 
a full-on Pierce is the villain arc for this season when they wrote this episode. Uh And it was a factor that remained from before they had... Maybe it was just the way that, like, Chevy approached the trampoline episode or how, you know, they ended up directing it to where he seems like a true callous, unfeeling villain throughout that episode. The other thing it could be, and this is the other thought I have, is uh, potentially they're doing a Christmas episode. It's supposed to be, even though it is kind of sad, feel good. So they're probably Uh like, okay, how do we take this guy who, let's face it, is not super fucking likable and just kind of make him rub as few people the wrong way as possible. Make him a tiny little teddy bear, and the only thing he says throughout the entire episode is, I'm just here for the cookies. That's literally all he says. He's only here for the cookies, but he's the guy. He sticks it out. You know, he he pops away for a little bit, but Pierce is the one side by side with Abed as they march into Santa's workshop. And that ain't nothing. That that is a statement. No, it's, I might it's, be so bold as to assert that maybe this is Abed seeing Pierce for what he is on the inside and not what he shows the group on the outside. Abed's the most mm. introspective of the entire group. And we know, maybe not yet, but as the show goes on, that Pierce needed to be hugged more as a kid. Certainly. So wouldn't a teddy bear be a pretty good example of who Pierce is tr- wants to be but like doesn't know how to... Okay. So here's my reason for backing yeah. this up. I thought mm-hmm. this and then Googled the, why Pierce was a teddy bear and found an answer that <laughs> kind of backs me up. Uh, this person says, as much as Pierce is trying to be a cool, tough guy, he's really the frailest and neediest one of the group. A teddy bear is soft and cud- a soft and cuddly incarnation of a much fiercer creature. And then the next person says, I think through all of Pierce's asinine behavior, Abed has always been the one who saw through it to see someone who needed to be accepted and cared for. The rest of the group, while loving each other, always saw Pierce as a bother. I think Abed was the one who saw the group as a true community and felt as if Pierce's actions were him trying to be accepted. Like when you say someone's just a big teddy bear, although they may seem intimidating. I think that checks out. I think I think there is... I um... need to admit that I'm kind of... <laughs> the, the, the look of pure, like... I upset defeat like, on Jace's face. Just normalizing just how fucking toxic this dude is. Like, he's toxic. He's yeah, toxic. He is. But like, he is. no, it makes sense the way that they've got the character. Jace, I'm so sorry. Your face. You, <laughs> you were like, man, fuck. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, shit. That we, you know, we all gotta. <laughs> We all got to take, we, we take that L sometimes. We, we take our turns <laughs> taking that loss. It's okay. I um, said it, we scanned are. the faces, and they were just so, damn it. I'm like, you know what? No, I, was, yeah. I was, my feelings about that. <laughs> Consider it payback for all the times you <laughs> fuck over my expectations at the end of the episodes. Yes, I finally absolutely. got back at you. you <laughs> revenge. <bastard>. Sweet revenge. <laughs> Star Wars somehow. What happened? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Star Wars, she just keep coming up, doesn't she? Uh we are talking about season two, episode eleven, Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, directed by Duke Johnson, written by Demo Stamatopoulos and Dan Harmon, so a Starburns Dan Harmon collabo. Oh my um, God. Pro- That's... produced and animated through 
their animation industry that will one day be called Starburns Industries. Uh, the same animation studio that would go on to produce Anomalisa, uh, that had previously produced like Adult Swim shows like Moral Oral. You know, this is this is the kind of framework <laughs> we're working in. It explains, and I love that we are doing a Claymation Christmas episode. S these puppets' faces are a little off-putting. Am I am I wrong? No, I think the the thing for me though is they did a couple of them pretty well. Britta's is pretty spot on. Shaggy's pretty, pretty spot on. Agreed. Um, and we start close. to get a little iffy. Troy kind of is just pretty much like the epitome of a token black boy. Like they didn't do too much to like make sure they got his <laughs> right, but they did enough. They were like, he's the one black boy. We don't need to put that much effort, right? Um. Shirley's yeah. surprisingly good, but what the fuck happened to Jeff's face? Uh-huh, yeah. I think that was the one I was really circling back around to, is that <laughs> Jeff looks the rough. Can I justify it in fiction? Can I make an attempt to to justify this all in fiction? Uh, the Go for it, yeah. Okay, the niceness of the claymation figure's face is directly proportional to how much they support Abed within the fiction of this episode. That that because we are seeing this through Abed's Rankin Bass eyes, we are he is interpreting, say, Jeff, the the character acting most apathetic to Abed's like legitimate mental breakdown. Uh, and so he is a distorted figure. Pierce, Annie, Troy, for the most part, stick by Abed through the course of this episode. The Dean and Duncan ap acting as sort of antagonists, and so they end up looking pretty rough as well. I don't know how much that checks out, uh, oh, but that is my attempt to make it work. And if you were to describe him metaphorically, you know, he's got a big fucking head, and... Big forehead. Big forehead. I, yeah. But he's got a big head, and he turns him into a jack-o'-lantern, a jack-o'-lantern, a jack-in-the-box, <laughs> which I'm now reflecting on even further. Cause yeah, it's he, because he's a big he's head. It's just a joke. Yeah. He's just a fucking bobbling head. So I yeah. guess they probably designed the main puppet with that in mind, so that's why he's got a big fucking head when he's even mm -hmm. not the jack-in-the-box. I think I think it's like it goes further to prove that, that Abed's just putting interpretations of what he sees of these people into claymation and mm -hmm. that perhaps he and Troy joke about Jeff's big forehead outside of just what we see in the I show. I love that. I love because, that. Because like so even, even in the paintball episode we're going to get at the end of this season mm. and he has, when he has a wanted sign up, he goes, my forehead's not that big. And Troy's the first one to be like, it's not small. So like <laughs> clearly, <not> <laughs> Troy, joke Troy pops out of a trash can wearing a Blazing Saddles Cleavon Little outfit, <laughs> gets to insult Jeff's forehead. Oh, and when he emerges from that trash can and gags, it gets me. It's just, uh, every time. It gets me every Love time. It. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Western paintball episode. The oh incredible yeah, he pops out of a trash Western can and paintball goes, episode. Uh, freeze. Up it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, anyway, but we are not we are not, we're not uh, there quite yet. there yet. yet. Can I uh, state something 
this is my uh, controversial opinion on this episode, perhaps, uh, but I'm also in the middle uh, of an essay that is currently at 3,400 words about this character, so maybe I'm biased. Britta was right. Are we on the same page here? About uh, what? What was Britta's about pitch? Britta, Britta tr- uh, in effect, tricking Abed into therapy uh, on on less than legitimate terms, sort of in a way that much more resembles an intervention than it does any form of like family therapy, that she, out of concern for her friend, who, if we accept the opening credits of this episode as canon, destroyed several vehicles, uh, was tased by security <laughs> officers, potentially sexually assaulted Chang in public, that, like, maybe she's <laughs> doing the right thing by convincing her friend, by tricking her friend into therapy. Am I wrong? I, I would say in this case, you are not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it's not small. <laughs> it's not small. It's not small. <laughs> Since you started on the third button, <laughs> you want to spend a few more seconds on that third button. Uh, that's, You're that's making me need to cry in the shower tonight. Upon rewatching it, I was just building this snowman, and I and I'm looking at it, and I go, I remember this snowman starts speaking. I cannot remember how they justify it, and then every time. It's Chang being like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And it's just <laughs> so good. <laughs> did did y'all notice this great little touch throughout the rest of the episode where that snowman is peeking out in the background every so often? What? No, I yep. missed that. I caught that for the it, first time tonight. It's, it's most noticeable in the scene where Abed is explaining the concept of Planet Abed and assigning everyone their roles. You can see Snowman Chang just like right behind him. And I think oh, it happens a couple more times. Again, after we do this. I'm yeah, going to watch it again Chang and just cry and the cry. It makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, as if he's watching the group. Uh, I love this effect they use throughout the episode when a character is, like, exiting the scene and re-entering the study group, that they're ripping open this, like, vaginal hole, and you can see the study room through the hole. Mm -hmm. It's such, it's just a great little touch. They really care, you know? And it, you can, you can tell they care, because it makes you care. Yeah, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I, I would, I would, I, I would watch this episode, and like every time a character would leave, or like Duncan would go raid Abed's dorm room, um, I, I really do want to see what this looked like in real life, like when they are doing this adventure, like are Troy and Abed and Annie like getting up on the table and like grabbing Duncan in real life. But I then spend I realized, so much this watch, yeah. Uh, and then I realized up where Duncan's like, you're grabbing me in real life, you delinquent. Delinquent. <laughs> uh, I he climbed onto the roof of the train. What did he do in real life? Right. Uh, and he's like, ploink. Like, I would love to see John Oliver say that and then like climb up on the table. And then I realized that is essentially the Dungeons and Dragons episode. <laughs> that is yeah, sure. basically the concept of that episode, that we are not seeing the fantasy story. We're seeing them telling the fantasy story. Sure, yeah, yep, yep. Oh, uh, now I want a claymation animation of the D&D episode. Oh, wouldn't that be so good? I bet, you know, I'm I'm putting money on it right now 
that if I type into youtube.com community dungeons and dragons animated that something gonna come up i hope so that'd be great i'm looking y'all keep talking <laughs> okay we can see it what else was exciting about this i like i like the little like what they call it the hanukkah forest and the jehovah's witness bay <laughs> the hanukkah mountains yeah <laughs> and mountains. yeah he says jehovah jehovah's witness and troy's like thanks for adding that i bet he like nods <laughs> So good. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, dude, when when Duncan tries to like keep Troy for, or sorry Abed from going onto the roof of the train, and Troy's like, "Who taught you therapy? Michael Jackson's dad." <laughs> oh, that <laughs> shit fucked me up, and I did not catch it until this 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 watch. I forget Who about that one. Michael Jackson's dad. A Joe Jackson joke is uh, a a rarity, but (laughs) really, really sings in how much it surprises you because you don't get that one a whole lot. Oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. The the structure, this episode is wonderful. And I feel like there are, after this episode came out, there were a lot of pretenders to this throne like in Harold and Kumar 3 which is set at Christmas we get a very brief claymation sequence I'm not saying that community invented the idea of doing a claymation no, Christmas it's very sequence. clearly a reference to Rudolph but and and uh, year without a Santa Claus etc well, but, but I feel like I didn't on every year yeah but I feel like I didn't see it until this episode I didn't see things that were not claymation jumping into this oh, mold I what you're saying. for you know what i'm saying i feel like they made a lot of people realize oh i can do that too maybe i'm wrong you doing know. just a claymation episode or a claymation segment of harold and kumar 3 or uh like any of these these pockets that have popped up maybe it's just that because of like adult swim cheap claymation was like possible to have access to like maybe maybe the the popularity of robot chicken like allowed other folks to say like oh we could fucking we can do this and <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can we can pull it off we can do that have you seen south park we can do south park <laughs> oh god no stop South Park, where, like, early on, it was just, like, construction paper that they were taking pictures of and putting side by side. That's true. That studio's That's turnaround is fucking my brain a little bananas. Bit. I don't really watch yeah. that show, but looking back at the graphics of, like, beginning of South Park, which was a show that I didn't watch, but just, like, looking back at it, I remember being like, it's fucking paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's literally like construction paper, especially like the early like short films of Jesus versus Santa Claus uh-huh. where they took it to like film festivals and shit. Um I am not a a big South Park fan and I do I do wonder when they will answer for their crimes of anti-Semitism. However, uh there is if you are at all interested in the production of television, there is a short documentary called Six Days to Air, where they follow the production of one South Park episode from like I've seen how that. they it's the human sense iPad episode too, and, which is an incredible yeah. episode. Yeah, they they wrote it, animated it, and aired it over the course of six days. It's phenomenally stressful, but 
it is worth watching whether or not you like South Park, and I nominally don't. Yeah, yeah. there's a really great that. podcast I listened to Matt Stone and Trey Parker on, mm-hmm. where it just in just in response to your eventually they will answer for their crimes, where uh, someone essentially asks that, like how when when do you think this ends? And like they obviously don't know because it's still a thing, but they're their response is very good because their response is like, we didn't think it would go this long. And like for mm-hmm. years now we have had just a, yep, you got us. This is, this is where we stepped over the line. And then like take a family vacation and disappear for like several months because they're prepared mm-hmm. because they've been, they've been pushing the envelope so long. They're just like, we don't, we, we, they're like, we obviously try not to cross lines, but like, that's so hard to judge. So like, we know someday something will happen and people are finally like, yep, cancel it. And they're like, we're okay with that because we didn't think it would get this far anyway. Which, like, at once is humbling because, like, these two guys who created this thing have realized, like, we've caught some kind of zeitgeist and we've learned, we've somehow figured out how to keep that fire in our hands without burning ourselves. But two, it's also, like... Kind of fuck you guys, because you realize you're pushing that line further and further in a direction. It's and just like, kind of given an excuse to go that way. I think, like, the number of times I've heard people be like, oh, come on, South Park, as an excuse. Like, whenever they do that, it's an instant discourse killer, because you can't fight that. Yeah, and, like, there's right. an argument that you could make that, like, it's extremely heady, relatively intelligent satire, but for Sometimes. that argument to have any sure, and for that argument to have any gravity and any traction at all, you have to assume that the viewership is both informed and educated enough to understand and decipher. Sorry, decipher and understand well, that satire. Thing, and the reality is that most people deciphered as satire. It's just functioning as propaganda. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the reality is, most people watching it. Most people, the reality is most people watching it are seeing it at the surface level. The and what seeing, surf, what seeing South Park at the surface levels essentially means is now you have this tool belt full of small weaponized terms right. of phrase and, and moods and, epi- and like tropes that you can throw at people. The reason I don't buy that explanation, though, is because if people are trying to claim it as like, oh, it's actually really smart and it's really intellectual satire, the thing is satire decidedly knows where to throw its punches. Um, and if it was right. truly smart, the punches they would be throwing would have some sort of morality fundamental to them. And a lot of their punches are at lateral. A certain, at a certain point, they're just playing <laughs> lateral or way dangerous. down or super down. Like, yeah, or super down. Yeah, they rarely like, punch they, up with enough frequency to argue that the show punches up. They're more often like down and sometimes across the room like ladder you know sometimes you're like oh and their excuse is well we punch everyone equally it's like no. <laughs> so do the cops that fucking hate them well the cops don't <laughs> <laughs> also like south park punch down yeah <laughs> right yeah they punch down at the the minorities that are underneath their knees like gee like there are <laughs> Okay, so I'm not I'm not saying that South Park were more Family Guy. All cops are bastards. Anyway, yes, move thank on. you. Uh, Annie Edison <laughs> is a cop. Um, so that's oh not, no! <laughs> uh, so okay, I'm not. I, I am obviously not saying that South Park or fucking Family Guy 
invented anti-Semitism or transphobia or any of these ideas. However, they continue throughout their entire lifespan to give these ideas a platform and to weaponize people that believe these terrible ideas with new ammunition, with the idea that these smart guys that make this TV show that I like believe this and show it to me. So that reinforces my own beliefs as a bigot. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know. Like, it, it's that You don't have to be the one that invented it or the first to be complicit. And just like all cops, they're fucking complicit. Like, every, every time someone does something complicit. like that, anytime a TV show does something and takes advantage of that open door, even if they're not the first one, they're complicit. They are actively participating in violence like you know like these this yeah. is hard stuff sometimes marshall mathers eminem did not invent homophobia but he gave every homophobe a weapon he stoked that fire sure, and yeah. that like yeah. how much are we supposed to say that that is okay of course we're talking about the show community but uh <laughs> it, it, it's something that i think about a lot and there's obviously no one answer and if you come after something like South Park, it only makes South Park fans dig in deeper because they like the show because of how much it is butting up against these social mores or what is like moral and right. And if you push back on that, that only reinforces their, their own beliefs that South Park is accomplishing exactly what it wants to do. You cannot win this cyclical argument. Yeah, and I also think that you could you could take the like Troy and Abed's wishing pool argument um, that is like if if the thought is to like unilaterally crack down on what South Park does, you will inextricably and inadvertently uh, impact things that do it right or do it differently or just in a way could be associated in any way to it. Um, and like the reason I bring up the Troy and Abed wishing well is like. Brita says no wars, and he uh, Troy's like no absolutes because like Star Wars, storage wars, like that you can't just eliminate a thing. And while I'm not arguing or advocating that we do not have the ability or cannot um, work to make South Park less relevant, what I would I'm not even caution. It's just it when it's said, when it's brought up, when we talk about it, it makes me remember that like South Park has done the trickiest thing which is somehow aligned itself with satire in a way that coming after it ends up coming after a lot of people. And while that is not an excuse to excuse uh, South Park, it is, the, it is the way that they've laced themselves into the framework of television and satire and commentary. Like, even if it's bad satire, they've essentially trademarked their satire as satire I'm going to say satire six more times in this sentence. <laughs> and so, like, anytime anybody comes after them, they just go, it's a joke. And, like, fuck. That argument victimizes everybody else who's telling good jokes. And that's it's, yeah. it's aggravating. I mean, look, when you have a conversation about any of these things, it's important to have nuance, you know? Nuance is important. And, like, yeah, sure. being 100%. able to maintain opposing perspectives is also important to be able to hold two ideas that fundamentally kind of go against each other. Like this show is fundamentally bad and dangerous and violent while simultaneously being able to acknowledge certain positive things that it does is an important way of reflecting on things. Now, 
does that mean that we should look at them independently? No, I think whenever you look at one, you must look at the other. So to you know be like, well, you have to look at the good things they've done. It's like yes, but every time you cite a good thing, you must also be looking at it with an awareness of what is dangerous about it. And there's nuance because you you can learn from these things. Similar to what we were talking about with the Dungeons and Dragons episode, like when you kind of just like remove something it doesn't do any justice for the discourse that could be provided by talking about sure. it. Um, so it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's complicated. Nuance. Have a nuance. It's complicated. Nuance and life. like, listen, the, if you take South Park off of whatever streaming platform it's currently on, you only in effect weaponize South Park and galvanize everything that it's always been, been talking about in episodes where it did have qualitative satire Whereas the thing you could do to take away South Park's power is the opposite of what we're doing right now, which is talking about fucking South Park. <laughs> Stop talking about it. It ceases to have power. <laughs> it, so it, back it, to animation it, that has really good, well-crafted jokes and storyline. I really like this ideas episode of, of religion. Community. Yeah, this is a good yeah. episode of Community. This is a very exciting episode of Community. It's um, a very exciting very episode exciting. of our podcast, to be completely honest. People, <laughs> people that listen to this are going to get... Way more than they thought they were were coming for. Oh, this that's, one, yeah. that's what you at the sign same up time for, this is folks. this is our that's trademark. <laughs> right. Yeah. The commun- I think any show or or game or movie is a gateway to larger topics. And the excellent thing about community is that there is almost no topic that it does not cover. Everything is mm-hmm. is on the table. It's like when Duncan is presenting the YouTube videos in class. Is like if faults are on the table, so is God. It, like it's it's the the community rules is that anything can God be branched thoughts. off to from here. Auditory, yeah. Number one hit, God of faults. I think, which actually also reminds me, in continuing the conversation we're currently having, my initial that I always bring up is that like everything's on the table with community, but at the same time, what aspects of that are harmful? Because there are harmful elements of this show, and it's one of those things where it's like, Absolutely. We, we practice nuance and holding opposing ideas on a regular basis when watching this show. Um, and that's kind of one of the amazing things about it, is it, you, it forces you to do that. Even if you were to take it out of the lens that we're looking at it now as like retroactively, like looking at these episodes that aired a few years back in a decidedly different cultural time. Like, the show has always done that, you know? Like... 100%. Like, caused you to think about a lot of things and pushed it and pulled it. And that's kind of the nature of the show is to force you to have conflicting ideas existing at the same time. But, you know, also, when you look at things contextually, it's important to, you know, accountability, such and such, whatnot. It's Chetra, it's Chetra. So. Ex-Chetra. Just tell uh, Chetra. jokes that's stolen from community. <laughs> yes. Can I, can I mention one of my other favorite lines in this episode? When What's they're up? walking Go through ahead. the Carol Canyon, and Abed describes the plants as giving off Christmas carols instead of oxen, oxygen, and... Pierce, unable to escape the idea of lawsuits, says, will walking through here be expensive? And Abed goes, no, it's all public domain. <laughs> an, an exquisite joke. A it's very good. Joke. I love it so much. Uh, another exquisite little touch of this episode. I'm sure we all see it every time, but reflected in the TV that they're watching at the end are their live action selves, and that is just such a beautiful little touch. You don't gotta do it. 
But that no, they do it is it always perfect. what puts this show up over the top. It was perfect. I also really love the tiny little moment where um, Abed says, the atmosphere is 9% cinnamon. Is that what he says? Yes. And I just love that moment. It's just, it makes you feel warm, you know? Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely. It's incredible. You know, as a as a fan of a different six season long uh, television show, Lost, this episode features an exquisite Lost joke. It's the it best is. Lost joke I've ever fucking uh, seen. Lost at the time this episode aired, Lost had ended like seven months ago, so we're still fresh, baby. This is yeah. still like piping hot oh. Lost joke, and and we get a cast member on from Lost later on this very season. Uh, it's 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 just a beautiful joke. As a Lost fan, you must have a sense of humor about yourself and the things that you like. You must simply take <laughs> these knocks on the chin, take a lick, and keep on kicking. It's very good. It's very I good. Didn't know anyway. if it was explicitly a reference to like how season one ended. I like optimistically have always interpreted the joke until this moment, remembering the cultural backlash of when Lost like ended ended. But like I've always been like, oh. As someone that's never seen it, what happens at the end of season one? Is it just like a cliffhanger? No, like... it's it. It is the Abed pulls out season one of Lost on DVD to signify that many felt the end of the show. Right, um, did not did not pay it off. That is that is the larger sense of the joke. Yeah. Did something no. weird? Yeah, now he like, oh, pulls yeah. out like a good replication of what is to me the iconic season one lost dvd art like real like a a faithfully recreated version of that dvd disc and it was uh it's it's an exquisite joke now we simply cannot get me talking about lost i watched two episodes of lost right before logging on to this very podcast i am much more favorable about the end of lost than most people and find that pretty much every mystery was qualitatively answered if you use like a basic amount of like connecting the dots in your head but I don't know. I'm a lost fan. Like, Kev just like I get humbly, it. Just calmly dragged everyone who has a beef with the like, end of that honestly, show. Honestly, you watched Lost and you didn't like the ending of it. Guess what? You're stupid. Yeah, you're he was like, if you dumb. use the smallest you're amount of your brain, <laughs> you're just not smart enough to understand the ending of the show. It's, it's such really a good. perfect encapsulation of everything they were going for. It focuses on the heart and not the head. You really need to focus more on the characters than you do on the mysteries, but also mostly the mysteries were answered. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, I, to bring us back to the episode, one of the things that I caught this watch through was um, the reference to the pilot, like the first episode ever. This episode starts off on a brilliant miniature replication of the boombox from the first episode. Because it's wow. the whole show starts on that boombox, and yeah. Dean doing like this like introduction, welcome to Greendale, <laughs> and so it's the same wow. exact part on this episode, but it's got these, and I look at it and like the rings around the speakers, they look like I don't know, like jewelry stuff or like links that would have been made to a chain. I looked at it and was like, oh, that looks like my nose ring, and then I was like, wait a second. And then I reflected on it was I was just like really excited to see that that callback. I don't know, y'all. You were going to a place. You were on a journey. (laughs) You also see the couple gangers again. Yes, they are the ones that taser Abed. Taser Abed off the car at the beginning song. It's the Coppelgangers. Isn't that yep. incredible? Isn't that yep. the best this fucking thing? Show. Let me tell you. This fucking Let me tell you. Can they I could have made for... any cop models, and they made those. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Can I campaign for two things? One, when we 
I asked if I could, and then just dove right into it like that. Yep. The, um, that's the permission is up. always granted. <laughs> I just talked about Lost for like two solid minutes. You're free to do whatever you sure, want. Sure, sure. Stop rambling. By all means, please speak. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that we should all adopt saying asterisk after something that may or may not be completely true. <laughs> Because Troy Op-Ed saying, if I find the meaning of Christmas, everything will go back to normal. And Jeff just going, asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to use that Incredible now Jeff. people say stuff. Um, Incredible the Winger joke. Is, the second thing is, and it's unrelated to this show, but kind of related to this show. When we're done going through community, might I might I cast a vote for us doing an episode rewatch or watch through of <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Ooh. Because this group would, uh, we would dominate in that that element. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's. I'm look. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't want to go too far into this, but like, always sunny. I have seen moments where I've been like, this show's really funny. Why haven't I watched this? And then I always go back and I start at episode one, and then they do like blackface in the N word, and I'm like, that's why I don't watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> is this it the first episode? That's the gang goes yeah, racist. It's their fucking pilot. They're just like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're much like the other, yeah, much like the other shows that we have uh, discussed previously in this episode. That was one that was definitely, you know, trying to push up against those cultural mores. But unfortunately, over the course of fucking 15 seasons, the mores have pushed back even harder. And there are... Uh, I mean, we have argued it on other shows. There are perhaps contexts for different things, but there are oftentimes in early episodes of that show where you're like, I don't know if the show knows which side of this it's supposed <laughs> to be on. I don't know if the show is aware that it's doing wrong right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think we would dominate that show. I think it would There's... lead to a lot of really fascinating discussions. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Actively minded folks. I am uh, worried about covering any comedy less uh, uh, inventive than community. Because, like, if you tried to do a podcast about, like, New Girl, you'd just be like, that was funny. And that's true. Okay, then I've got it. Then I've got it. Our next one is a a podcast about how I met your mother. (laughs) Oh, God. I couldn't even even say what. I would actually love to do that because when I was younger, when it was like airing, I fucking loved that show. And I look it back was, at it and I go, why did I like that? Woof, it was yeah. the first show I fell in love with as like a teenager that carried yeah. me into adulthood. And I love, it was my favorite that was show like in my the world. That college thing. Like high school was Doctor Who, like down, like down and out. But like I, getting into college was... Uh, I'm your mother, and I no fucking clue why. I <laughs> owned almost every season on DVD. I owned both of the Barney Stinson books. And just looking back on that show with even a little bit of context, you have to go, Barney Stinson is a rapist. Like, yeah. he's a comedy rapist. <laughs> like, it's... it's and un- just, that's just played off as, like, well, it's being played by Neil Patrick Harrison. He's a gay man, so we're good, right? I mean, that show comes out in, like, what, 04, 05? 
Like, the womanizer lying to women to get them into bed was viewed culturally much lighter than it is Uh, now. I think the part where I reflect back most harshly on is when we realized that he had a built-in machine in his bed that would dispose of women if they stayed there too long. Oh, my God. His bed would, like, Sweeney Todd style, just dip and drop the body. Oh, but he wore a suit. It was it was funny. Um, <laughs> hey, earlier in this episode, Kev said in ref. Porn. <laughs> Whatever. The show's yeah. problematic. L- listen, the show we've talked about shows aging like dinosaur bones. How I Met Your Mother has aged like milk in the desert, baby. Like it's it, that's it has it has aged milk. like milk soaked bread in the desert. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, listen, in case it wasn't already obvious, when we're done talking about community, I am going to talk about Lost. It's the only other thing I'm built to do (laughs) as a man. It's what I'm made for, he says. It's what I was bred to do, what I was born to do. I was born to do this, quoting General Zod. Um, earlier this episode, when you were talking about models, uh, Hmm. Kev, the the models they used, you brought up the Dean and Duncan, and I, I wanted to point out then, and I just remembered, that... Duncan and the Dean is an incredible indie band name. <laughs> Duncan Ooh. the Dean. Oh, yeah, a real Bell and Sebastian type. Is that what yep. we're yep. <laughs> Sounds like a Lerner and Hooch remake that's been uh, brought to you by Duncan Donuts. All right, but if oh, we're going to get a uh, community spinoff of any type, Duncan and the Dean is like way up there for me as far as shows oh, yeah. I would watch. Because those are two comedy fucking machines. Yeah, it'd be great. Jim Rash and fucking John Oliver on a show together? Like, yeah. so, Wait, why, so... do we get, why do we not get more of the two of them interacting in this show? I would say... Because Duncan yeah. disappears for like a season and a half? Yeah, right. I would even say... When... It is... They don't do a lot of one-on-one. It is two two component parts, shall we say. Uh So while Duncan is a major character on the show, season one, season two, and then again in season five, um, he is only occasionally appearing. And the Dean has not yet ascended to a main character on the show. And it didn't overlap. Yeah, he is still showing up for a scene or two most episodes, Whereas by the time the Dean is, like, in the opening titles of the show, by the time Jim Rash gets a title card, it don't, it, last week tonight is a huge hit, <laughs> and and we don't get much more Duncan after that. Right. Damn. But uh, Woodwatch, we will always have the uh, $3,000 judges table at Greendale's pool. We will always have Paris. <laughs> So, uh, uh, for for a little bit now, I have pulled up uh, the Great Community Ranking Sheet. Every episode we rank episodes Ooh. and end tags. Uh, let's begin with the end tag for this week's episode. Troy and Abed in stop motion. <laughs> yeah. I love this one specifically because it references, or not references, it pointed out something I had never realized and it's look that, how delicious it's that food is. Claymation food looks fucking great. Look at this perfect bite. That perfect uh, bite mark is just like, yeah, that's real. I felt One that. of my favorite genres of comedy, which is pointing out cartoon shit. Like yeah. the, when they paint the tunnel on the wall. That's that's exactly my, my jam. Oh my god, that end tag is so good. Is that Have we already seen that one? 
Yeah, that was uh, that's at, like accounting three. for lawyers. Yeah, number yeah. three here. Uh, so that's... let's let's start there, shall we? Uh, Troy and Abed in stop motion. Not as good as Cartoon Tunnel. Simwa. Yeah, I would put it above, and this is me just jumping to where I would put it instead of going through the next three. I would put Go it above it. Betty White Africa, but below Pepper Water. Because Pepper Water's oh, reaction for, for, for me for. is still more visceral than, <laughs> than Troy I... and Abed in stop motion. That's pretty I don't, I don't think to me. this is top five. So we're down, down so, here. Above Betty White Africa rap would be the new number six. I'm negotiable anywhere in the top ten, I like but I do really a like this. Lower, honestly. Like I thought this was a really clever take on the Troy and Abed in the morning thing. Oh, but they they do swap heads. Which is good. That's good. That does do good things for me. No, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I would put it. What about, okay, so number 12 is Oh Christmas Troy. Is this better than Oh Christmas Troy? I'm surprised Oh Christmas Troy is at 12 right now. Um, I mean, there's some good shit above Oh Christmas Troy. That's true. Oh Christmas Troy is just, like, iconic. I would, um... It's beloved. (laughs) It's nose smells like, no, smells like special drink. I mean, here's the thing about community, is that if you're in the top 25... You're still really fucking That's funny. True. <laughs> so, I, like, I mean, I don't know. I personally, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. I'm looking at it, I'm like, because I think what's happening now is I'm at the point where I'm remembering that, like, how much I love certain ones. And when I look through yeah. the list to try and find where this one should go, I keep going, oh, but fucking Bert and Ernie. Oh, and spaceships. You know, and like, oh, Christmas. You're, so I'm just. You're getting nostalgic for uh, am, things we talked about, like, a few months ago. <laughs> I'll put it, you know what? It's a good one. I would put it just below a Christmas Troy. Um, okay. And Maybe. and uh, Caleb, you were going to put it at six. So we're looking at six. We're looking at 13. Uh, let's say we average it. Uh, maybe. Not better than Pierce Poop Rep. I'll die on that hill. <laughs> Not better than Pierce Poop Rep? Yeah. I love the Pierce Poop Rep. Oh, All okay, right. Let's, so then... let's say 11 then. All right. Yeah. Sure. I like so Kick Puncher a lot, but I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. I also really like Kick Puncher, but they're both very good. It's not a, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a negative against one. And now we're into the episode itself. Okay, so why don't we start with the previous Christmas episode, our current number four, Comparative Religion. Is this better than Comparative Religion? Oh, yeah. So Jay says yes. Pretty hard yes. And Caleb gave me no. a gentle, I'm, a yeah. gentle I, head I shake. was the quiet no because I didn't <sighs> want to be the first to speak up. <laughs> I don't, okay, okay. I don't, uh, ca- I don't. Do you know where you would put it, Caleb? I do. You have like a probably feed. put it above epidemiology. I, you know, so what? I'm still I very high because I was also just about to say I think I actually would be down with putting it just below cooperative calligraphy. I, I can definitely. Agree. Okay. Just below that. Yeah, I say... Kev, Kev doesn't seem as amenable to this decision I'm as not, we are, I'm, Chase. I, the the what, problem what are your, is... What are your feelings, oh, oh because, shaggy one? <laughs> because, yeah, I know. I haven't had a fucking haircut in like 13 <laughs> it was months. No, it was no criticism. I, was, I realized I was coming as I said up, that. Boink, sounded... Scoob, we gotta rank these episodes, man. <laughs> Row. Because I could definitely see putting it at the new, I think you were saying, like, what, number seven? But mm-hmm. I could also put it above comparative religion and feel pretty confident about it. I, why, do you think, well, why, do you, 
Why? Why? Why, why do you hate me better than that one? You know what it is? Um, why do you hate I'm, me and Jesus? I'm realizing as far as Christmas episodes go, I like this one better than comparative religion. But as it's episode, a better Christmas episode. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like as I far love, as you're like, oh, it's a Christmas episode. And then you're like, it's in stop motion. And that alone makes me go, fucking yeah, it's better than the last Christmas episode. But when you look at it as an episode amongst the rest of them, I'm like, mm -hmm. I could put you below the bottle episode. That was a great fucking episode. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, in any way, we're talking about top 10. And, right. like, number 10 is accounting for lawyers, which is an incredible episode. Like, you don't lose if it's here in the top 10. But I do want, I'm going to give them extra points for the fucking gumption to do a stop, mo a fully nose to nuts stop motion animated episode of sure. their show uh, you get these good little christmas songs you get a, a nice christmas themed story that covers both the brightness of christmas that like the idea of christmas is what gives christmas meaning but also the like bittersweet you know i watched this the same day i rewatched when harry met sally and that show also <laughs> really covers like the loneliness of the holidays really well like if things are not panning out especially well for you around the holidays the holidays can just fucking take your cut and pour a full bottle of lemon juice directly into it and this episode covers <laughs> that melancholy really well and that is a thing for you you love the melancholic humor I love it. And then that makes like remote control Christmas pterodactyl stand out all the more because it's juxtaposed to right. um, a claymation but Christmas also, episode that features a killer lost joke, just an unbelievable lost joke. But also this episode is not better than conspiracy theories and interior design. An excellent point, actually. Okay. Yeah. It's below <laughs> cooperative calligraphy. <laughs> S2 E10. Ovid's uncontrolled. Yeah, points knocked off I for this not being the. I love how much Kev campaigned, and then Jace was like, "But hold on." I was, and then you brought up that number five was conspiracy theories, and I said, "Ah, oh, fuck, yeah, right. It's not as good as conspiracy theories." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Everything I just said, like it's not. I mean, being number seven at this point in Community's that's run is a really that's an honorable position. That yeah. is a high ass ranking. And, and like as it scales, the top five is now the top ten, like in equal equal uh, praise. True. And then like next season, the top fifteen will be the same as the top five. And then after the fifth season, will be like the top twenty. You know what I mean? Like it's going to keep. This the... show is too good for its own good. We're gonna have such a it's... hard time. Like we were, I remember us talking early, being like, "It's gonna be hard to rank this," and we're like, "We'll get there when we get there," and we're like, "Not even there yet," and we're like, no. "Already no. stressed." But there are there are enough bangers left in this season alone that, like, we we could kick out half of this top ten. We could kick out like most of these season season. one hang-ons up here will likely, oh, will certainly be gone by the time we're done with season two. But here's you the know thing. what I mean? I have a hard time believing season two is going to get uprooted pretty easily because season two might be the best season. There are, I think it 100% is, there are, I mean, some absolute classics in three, five, and six. And, yeah. and I believe that very strongly, that there are going to be some episodes from those seasons that crack. Absolutely. But, we still haven't but, addressed the multiple timelines episode, which 100%. is kind of amazing. 
our uh, future number one remedial chaos theory. <laughs> but like, left in in this season alone, coming up, oh, Advanced dude. Dungeons and Dragons, Intermediate Documentary Filmmaking, The Hospital episode, Critical Film Studies, The My Dinner with Andre episode, Paradigms of Human Memory, The Fake Flashback, and two killer paintball episodes. That's the rest of this season? That's yeah, and, all and, and, before and he, the end of this. And then there's a bunch of other episodes. And Kim like, skipped Celebrity Pharmacology, which like might have one of the best Chang central roles in the show. Asian population studies also is, incredibly is in there. Good. They're on like, there's so many great... There's one stinker in throughout the rest of season two, but there are so... I was only listing like the... A grade episodes <laughs> that we still have this to is cover. A bang in season. This is a very difficult yeah. season because it's just like because it's that's exactly what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the nostalgia of season one, which is just like fucking season one, you know. And then now we're like season two, which is like they've got their bearing, and now they're like a heavy hitter and shit, and they're like really yeah. smacking them out of the park. So we're battling with like ex- increased experience in the foundational, show. yeah, so, yeah. So it's just like yeah. Fuck, which one do we... Is it because it's the first time they did it, or is it because it's the best time they did it, you know? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And that is that is the battle that, like, I just have such an intense affection for comparative religion, physical education, that, like, these are... There, there are three season one episodes in the top five still, but then you look down at the next chunk, and it's, like, all season two. All season. Piled up underneath yeah. the best yeah, season one. Yeah, we haven't breached... Offer. In season two episodes, we haven't breached the lower numbers yet. We haven't been like, this one goes toward the bottom. We've always been like... Yeah, we've been right top up. 12, 13, the whole there is time. That's a great There point. is one coming up that I will place near the bottom uh, when we get to that episode, but it also has my favorite end tag of all time. Uh, competitive wine tasting is not a good episode, but the end tag for that episode is Fiddler Please... Uh, the black version of Fiddler on the oh, Roof, which is... It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish in Russia, yo. <laughs> Y'all are gonna... We're gonna get to those weird-ass season five and season six end tags, and you're gonna have to sit here as I argue that, like, Portuguese gremlins is the new number two. You're gonna have to, like... You're gonna have to... I you're gonna have to Portuguese gremlins, though, but that's also because gremlins has, like, a really special place in my heart. I fucking love that movie. Why is it... Great movie. That, sorry, little tangent and then i will stop That's why fine. is it that Abed what tangents has... i don't get it huh? <laughs> sorry what did we talk about i'm sorry <laughs> did we that? talk about south park for 10 minutes today <laughs> sorry jace please go on and ignore my rudeness i was, I was, <laughs> I was saying that for some reason almost everything that abed references as like a niche like thing that like is like something that i also have a connection to so like, I remember, we were just talking this episode. When he starts talking about Farscape, I lost my damn mind. It's <laughs> like, nobody knows what the fuck that show is. But I have seen no. every episode. Oh, and, God. And it's wild. So just like that, but then also Gremlins. I love Gremlins. So I think I will be with you in voting for Portuguese yeah. Gremlins. When, when we get to, like, the, the Yakuza... <laughs> <laughs> like end tag these these absolutely insane end tags that are coming oh, up after after Troy leaves end tag where they give her her own show and then that one is so good 
That one's good. But that one's also in a weird meta space because part of us is like, we're being led to believe that this is actually what happened. But we're also then given this meta reality of it's actually a spinoff. And like, there's. So the question is does magic exist in this universe? And I'm hoping <laughs> that the three of us can have an adult conversation about this when we get there. About <laughs> the canon and whether or not. Period. But uh, <laughs> keep believing in yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, keep uh, keep dreaming there, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, why don't we segue into uh, a little section I like to call plugs. Uh, y'all, take the floor. Take it away. Okay, I have a good one. I didn't know what I was going to do until we started talking about South Park for 10 minutes. So I decided that while we're talking about that, I want to plug my favorite animator of all time, who is definitely not problematic. I'm talking about Rebecca fucking Sugar. The best of the best. I love, I love her. I love them. Uh, Steven Universe was an integral part of me coming into my gender identity. And it is also just the best show ever written. At me, I dare you. So follow Rebecca Sugar. Yeah, that's what I have to say. I said what I said. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, I don't really have anything to like promote, really. That's not something you've already heard. But um, something pretty fucking awful happened in uh, Beirut today. And like, just be on the internet and ready to find whatever way to support those people. Because like... Beirut's going through some shit, mm-hmm. and then they had a massive explosion on their main source of economic income, their port, and their port's fucking devastated. And, like, that means medical shipments, that means food shipments, that means just replenishment. Like, they're kind of fucked. And, uh, yeah, that happened today. So, like, expect the world to, you know, the people who care in the world to spring into... Um, help out mode and be ready to do that. And if you don't know what happened, like find out, educate yourself. I guess trigger warning, it's, it's a massive explosion that can absolutely be traumatizing if you've experienced anything like that. But like we, we as a community <laughs> need to make sure we take care of people uh, in the world that are going through shit. And it seems like that list of people is ever growing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think I'm going to be the first person to say it. These are unprecedented times. Uh, now more than ever, uh, we need to. But yeah, there are. I've already seen tons of like links and stuff, and I will try to share them with this episode and outside of this episode to to you know use our not insignificant platform to make sure that people have the information that they need uh, in this case. Um, and, uh, I will shout out, um, two, uh, friends of the show, because I've been trying to share stuff from the community community. Um, and, uh, there are two funny guys that host another community podcast, because there are fucking 12 of them. Um, it is, they, uh, they're, they're Ben and Mike, and they host a show called Good Morning Greendale, and you can listen to that if you want. But, their side podcasts are some of the finest independent podcast work I've ever come across. Uh, one of them is called Ring My Bell, uh, which is a podcast about Taco Bell and masturbation, which oh. is very, very funny. <laughs> uh, oh. One of them is called Any Album You Like, where the listener brings in an album and they sync it up to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and and they've done, like, They Might Be Giants. Uh, they've done all these crazy albums, and that is a is a good time. So, uh, 
I really love that. And they also did a pod where they covered every episode of Futurama. They're like the one Futurama podcast that like stuck it out to the end. Uh, and wow. they, they have a nice little fan base from that. I, I love like watching them interact with their, with their listeners. Um, so, That's so awesome. absolutely go check out their shit. They're good. They're good folks. All the community podcasters are good folks. I, I'm really spoiled that I get to like talk to these people all the time. Oh, that reminds me of the social media shout out that I was going to do this week. A uh, friend of the show, uh, Kelly Harold. Uh, uh, Jacob Kelleher, who appeared on our episode where we pitched different community movies, um, posted an excellent uh, series of images uh, today where he said, it, this is what it's like to see the community podcasts interact with each other and support each other instead of uh, compete and, and fight for listeners. And he posted four images from the video game episode of Community Digital Estate Planning. And Gilbert says, you're playing the game wrong. You're supposed to compete and Jeff says, thanks for the advice, but I think we choose how we want to play. Uh, right. So remember, folks, uh, fo one, follow Kelly Harold, K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-A-L-D. And then also uh, remember that you, to a certain extent, get to dictate how you play the game. Uh, and it is important to remember that as uh, we enter, this is our 20th episode recorded entirely in quarantine. Oh. And uh, there are still... Uh, and there have been daily Black Lives Matter protests for two straight months. And now there are uh, the situation in Beirut and Lebanon. So please uh, remember that you get to decide what you do on this earth. And you get to decide how you play the game. Uh, we will be back next week with two very, very funny episodes of the television show community. I, uh, I don't even feel like I can do that end tag. That was such a, just like a really just like nice ending. Just very like... <laughs> Felt like I just like got logged off on the ten o'clock news. Like I don't even want to make a joke yeah. about it. This is, Mil yeah, this really... is Will McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Stay I'm trying cool. to sub in for Cronkite. Pop up. Pop. Doobie doobie, doobie doobie, do I literally just started fucking snapping along. What the fuck? <laughs> you monster. Was a I was like, ooh, ooh, they're doing it like a jazzy rendition. I'm down. And like, snap, end. I guess I'm Thanos, because I snapped and it fucking ended. <laughs> This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.